I would see two topics as going to be huge. One is sleep quality, which is starting. People are becoming more aware of it. And the other is breathing. And right. it's not just Misha about going down to the yoga studio and filling your lungs full of air. And you're told to take this big, deep breath. Like, what's that all about? We have to look at breathing and we have to look at the physiology of breathing. And we have to look at the impact of what we can achieve by looking at breathing from a number of different perspectives. Yeah. We are all stuck in our own little silos. Hey guys, welcome to Business Podcast Groningen. My name is Misha Bush, and I'm really excited about the interview that we're doing today with our guest, Patrick McKeon. He's a world-leading expert when it comes to uh, breathing re-education. He's an international best-selling author of The Oxygen Advantage. He's been featured on national television, TED Talks. He's been on London Real, Men's Health Magazine, and a lot of other famous channels. Uh, he's also worked with basically anything between Olympic athletes to SWAT teams and NFL players, business people, entrepreneurs, but also therapists and medical professionals. And he's literally, literally trained thousands of people in the field of uh, breathing, uh, re-education all over the world. Uh, his training results in an increase of oxygen flow to all your body systems, meaning increased endurance, strength, and power. And if you haven't read the book already, make sure you pick up a copy of The Oxygen Advantage. We'll put a link down uh, in the description of this video. It's a very practical book with a scientifically proven breathing technique for a healthier, slimmer, faster, and fitter you. So without further ado, let's go to the interview. Sit back and enjoy. Um, thank you very much, Patrick, for being here and welcome on the podcast. Of course, Misha. Good start. At least you got my surname right. So that's always a good start. Yeah, thank you. I, I must say I have been uh, practicing a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and it's probably, uh, I'm from the Netherlands, so I'm also not too familiar. Uh, uh, of course. Because it's an Irish name, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, how, so how are you these days? Are you uh, all time working at home or are you also outside uh, uh, with activities as well? Um. I, we're like every, everybody else. All all travel is cancelled. So I had a lot of a lot of events that were. I should have been in Japan. I should have been in Australia. I should have been in Los Angeles, oh, London. Man. So that's all fine. Um, so we're doing an awful lot of training now online. Yeah, and I actually think it's quite good. I really think it's lovely to take a break because it's my schedule was pretty hectic, and I'm sure it's like a lot of people out there. Yeah, and yeah. that sometimes it's lovely just to take a step back. And um, so I have a studio beside my house. And just to give you an example of the location, it's actually very, very suitable to, to being in isolation. Oh, so yeah. I'm not sure if you can kind of see that, but it's beautiful view in the middle of in the middle of nowhere. And uh, yeah, so it's a nice place to hang out. And I suppose if you're stuck in an apartment in the city center, it's yeah. going to be a little bit more difficult. Right. So country living probably makes it a bit easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does this mean you have time now so we can expect a new book coming out? Yeah, I'm writing one at the moment and possibly two. Um, <clears throat> I'd actually love to write a book on bringing business and breathing together. Yes, yes. So I think um, I think it's really, really important when I'm looking at the rates of burnout in the corporate world and high stress levels. And we have to start looking at tools that employee can use. And even to talk about the resilience of employees in the first instance, you know, is it that companies are becoming more demanding of their employees 
or is it that employees' resilience are reducing, that they're not able to cope with the demands of the companies? Right. So yeah. there's interesting questions to ask there. Yeah, great. Yeah, that, that's really what I would like to go into today to talk about uh, your background and experience and your methods and how, how that can be applied in the business world uh, for entrepreneurs, but also for professionals in the business world in, in the broad sense of the word. Um, uh, I was wondering my own personal experience with, well, let's say a conscious experience of, with breathing. Of course, we're breathing all the time unconsciously. Uh, most people, uh, has been through a bit of meditation and, and I guess I have been focusing mainly on the mental benefits of, of breathing. Um, um, your work besides that also focuses a lot on the actual physical problems and, and solutions that come from, uh, bad breathing and, and, uh, fixing that. Um, uh, and, and the, the, the physical benefits from proper breathing technique. What, what are the main problems that, that arise from, uh, improper breathing technique, if I may call it like that? And, and, and what do you see as uh, the, the cause of these problems? Um, for, for the normal everyday person who doesn't have a pre-existing health condition, the main right. issues associated with poor breathing patterns are going to be poor quality of sleep, inability to handle stress, agitation of the mind, reduced focus and clarity, and increased breathlessness during physical exercise. So when we think of breathing for the normal individual, we have to consider the interplay between breathing, the emotions, and sleep, mm -hmm. and that all are intertwined, all are interconnected. And if breathing is off, the emotions are off. And if breathing is off, sleep is off. And if sleep is off, emotions are off. And if emotions are off, sleep is off, and breathing is off. So, you know, when I look at how can you apply this to people's in their workplace, I have no idea how people can get through a working career without having the ability to quieten the mind and without having the ability to improve focus. And I remember going back into my early 20s. In my teenage years, my concentration was dreadful. Yeah. In my early 20s, my concentration was dreadful. Yeah. Because you come from yeah. the corporate world, right? You, you had a, a, a career yes. as, a, as a manager at a big corporation. Correct. And, you know, in terms of even going through high school and going into university, I would be studying material. And to an outside observer, it would seem that I was looking at the material. I was looking at the material, but my attention was not on what I was looking on because I was living in my head. Yeah. I had developed a habit of overthinking. And I think it's very, very prevalent in people who are sometimes perfectionist tendencies. We place high demands on ourselves. Everything wants to be, you know, perfect. And in the process of placing a high demand, it can have a negative impact on your breathing. And I, in, your, in my constant thinking and regurgitation and living in my head, how on earth could I focus? And I couldn't. And not only was I living in my head all the time, but my sleep was impacted because I was an open mouth breather. I was snoring. I was told that I was stopping breathing. And because of being an open mouth breather, I also breathed using fast and upper chest breathing, which in turn feeds into agitation of the mind. So in 1997, 1998, I came across a newspaper article and it spoke about the work of Russian doctor Konstantin Buteyko. And it said two things, breathe through your nose 
and breathe light. So I used his techniques to decongest my nose and I first started switching to nasal breathing. I was feeling that I was not getting enough air breathing through my nose, but I kept it at, I kept at it. And I remember about two days after switching to nasal breathing, I woke up in the morning feeling an alertness that I had never experienced in my life. I was able to concentrate and focus. So the first thing that I would say to anybody, if you wake up with a dry mouth in the morning, you are not likely to wake up feeling refreshed. Mm-hmm. And if you are not waking up feeling refreshed, you are not going to perform to the best of your ability that day. Because what did it do? You said uh, already after one day of nasal breathing, you, you felt totally different. Like what did it actually do to your body uh, that day that you did start the, the nasal breathing? Well, the first night I switched to nasal breathing, I had to wear breathe right strips on my nose to open up my nose. And I wore tape across my lips to breathe through it. Right. So I forced myself to breathe through the nose. Now, it, the difference it made, it must have made a dramatic difference to my sleep disorder breathing. And I knew I was a snore because any time I was on, you know, staying in dormitories or if I was staying in hostels when I was traveling, for example, Australia, etc., back in the early 1990s, people used to complain that I was the guy that was snoring so hard. <laughs> yeah. Now, I had asthma. And if you have asthma, you typically will have a sleep disorder as well. They go hand in hand. Right. And if you have nasal obstruction, so if you have a stuffy nose or if you have a fighter or if you have a rugby guy, um, you know, that person is after getting knocks over the years. And as a result, their nose doesn't function the way it should do. And when that happens, your sleep is likely to be impacted. Because if the nose is compromised, there is a resistance to breathing. And as a result, you switch to open mouth breathing. And when you switch to open mouth breathing, it, it narrows and it impacts the architecture of the upper airways in that your airway is more likely to collapse Yeah. Um, in terms of you stopping breathing. And if you have repeated stopping of the breath, it's called obstructive sleep apnea. If, if the stopping of the breath is due to the airway collapsing, every time that you have a stopping of the breath or many times that you have a stopping of the breath, you get woken out of sleep. You get sleep fragmentation. And then you are waking up feeling exhausted. So having to go to the bathroom a few times during, during the night is one telltale sign. People complaining that you're snoring or even worse, that they hear you snoring and then they don't know what's going on because you've stopped breathing completely and they think you're going to die. And usually it's the wife of the husband that's witnessing this. And this can happen more so in males than in females, but even in fit individuals, um, especially weightlifters, rugby guys, and guys with a 17-inch neck are more predisposed to it. But as we get older, the risk of sleep problems increasing. And I know that sleep wasn't getting attention for many years, but you will never get rest and recovery. It's really coming back down to how do you ensure a real deep quality sleep Nasal breathing is a huge aspect of this. I know people talk about wear blue light filter glasses, don't drink alcohol late at night, switch off your phone, keep your phone outside the bedroom. Don't be looking at smart TVs late at night. Don't be looking at this. They're talking about everything except the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is your breathing. And you have to ensure nasal breathing. Like, you know, and since 2002, I was in the corporate world. 
And, you know, it's like I, I hate it, Misha, to be honest with you. I absolutely hate it. I was working for an American multinational and I thought they owned me. And, you know, it was an open door management policy and I was part of that management. And there was stress put on me and then I had to put the stress on the employees underneath me. And I just didn't like it. It wasn't for me. But looking back, why did I have such high stress levels at the time? Yeah, partly is no doubt due to the pressured environment, the competitive environment of the corporation. Because, of course, tactics developed by guys with MBAs, masters in business, business administration, designed to get the, the maximum out of employees, almost like it was an assembly line. Yeah. And it was a very kind of, it's kind of so bizarre because when you're in your early 20s, you think you're the bee's knees. You have a corporate car, you have a number of employees underneath you, you're in charge of this business, um, you're in charge of setting up accounts and all of that. And I tell you one thing, I realized back then, nothing was worth the stress, no amount of money that could pay me. And what's more, the amount of money that was being paid was minuscule. And like, it, it was minuscule in terms of the effort and the sacrifice and the stress and the toll it was having on my life. But sure. would it have been differently had I had better tools? And I didn't have those tools. And sometimes you need a bit of stress in your life. Number one is to realize that, yes, maybe we are sometimes in the wrong job. But when I was in the wrong job, I really worked to the best of my ability because I was driven and I, I was very driven throughout university, even though I had poor concentration. I studied 10 or 12 hours a day to make sure I got the grades. I got a degree in economic and social sciences. I was in the corporate world. I was driven in the corporate world. And even though I hated my job, I applied it to the best of my ability because I was learning for myself and I was employing myself. And the skills and the experience that I developed during those few years were very helpful when I started working for myself. Right. So sometimes, yeah. you know, sometimes you have to see the company that you're working for, see it as a stepping stone to better things. Yeah. And all too often, you could be as an employee and you're saying, oh, I'm working for a totally shit company and I hate my work and I hate this and I hate the boss and I hate that. I would say to you, still apply yourself to the best of your ability. Right. Because see it as a temporary thing that you're upskilling yourself. You're using the company to upskill yourself as opposed to the company using you. And yeah. it's about time that we turn around the mentality of it. And I would also say to employees, get your sleep right and get your focus of the mind right. And that's something we can have a chat about. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and, and the... Uh uh, do you see the, uh, the 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 problems arising from improper breathing and also the the reasons underlying it? Do you see a kind of an exacerbation of that in the business world or in the in the working area when you compare it to other fields of life? And what is the actual reason for these for these uh, improper ways of breathing in the first place? Because I can imagine in nature. In, in a natural human, healthy human, you would be breathing properly, right? I don't think people are made to breathe in an improper way. What causes the uh, um, the wrong way of breathing? I just didn't get the last part of it, but I got most of what you said. 
Yeah, you know, we, we don't live in natural times. If you look at the shape of the human face, it has changed dramatically in the last 50, even 100 years. I remember when I was in Lithuania and I was giving a, a training at a, dental, at a dental clinic there and the professor of dentistry was commissioned with identifying the skulls of individuals who were hung by the Russians back in 1917. So basically Russia... Um, had come in to take control of Lithuania. And during that time, some group of Lithuanians rebelled against the Russians. And in good Russian form, they hung the individuals, got their bodies, threw them into an open grave, and their bodies were, were discovered a couple of years ago. When we looked at the shape of the skulls, these individuals were, were, were killed 100 years ago. They had a perfectly facial formed facial structure really wonderful forward development of the jaws. If you see my face, you see that my maxilla, which is my chop jaw, is set back. And my mandible is set back. And as a result, then I have jowls. And because my face isn't forward enough, because my jaws aren't forward enough on my face, my airway is impacted. So here we're talking about the human airway. We're talking about the space at the back of the mouth, at the back of the nose, and the throat itself. And the size of a human airway is about the size of a hose pipe. We've got very little room for error there. Now, this, per- this model here, the maxilla is well forward, and the mandible isn't too bad either, and as a result, there's a decent enough airway. But in my case, my ma- mandible is set back. My ma- sorry, my maxilla is set back, my mandible is set back, and my airway is compromised. And if your airway is compromised, you are not going to be a top athlete. Right. You are not going to be a top business person because how can you achieve your full potential if you don't have the airway? And when I'm talking about airway is that airway trumps everything and the impact is that airway is having on sleep. Yeah. Now, why did I develop such abnormal craniofacial development? It was because of mouth breathing during my childhood. I was a child growing up with asthma and I had nasal obstruction. And if you have nasal obstruction, you are likely to switch to mouth breathing because you feel that you're not getting enough air through your nose. And because I was having my mouth open, my tongue wasn't resting in the roof of the mouth. And as a result, I didn't get the benefit of the tongue in terms of the pressures exerted by the tongue in the development of the face. All mouth breeders develop crooked teeth. Crooked teeth are not because the teeth are too big and the jaws, it's not because the teeth are too big. The problem with crooked teeth is that the jaw is too small. And the jaw is often too small either due to mouth breathing, tongue sucking, lack of breastfeeding, lack of chewing. So you think of our ancestors, you know, they were eating hard foods. They weren't eating the likes of McDonald's, they weren't eating all of the Kentucky Fried Chicken and everything that's pre-chewed. Yeah. They were eating on vegetables. They were eating fruit. They were eating meat and oftentimes quite tough food, which helped to develop the jaws. And with good jaw formation, you've got good airways. Yeah. If you look at the air jaws of sports people, in the main, you will see that sports people are generally good-looking individuals. They are good-looking individuals because their face is formed the way nature has intended. Conversely, if you Google adenoid face, 
Anadenoid phase is a medical term given when children, because of enlarged adenoids, that cause these children to breathe through an open mouth. You will see faces that are deformed and faces that don't look attractive. And it's not about the attractiveness. It's about the function. Yeah. So unfortunately, Misha, whether, whenever, whatever country I'm in, very little attention is paid on nose breathing versus mouth breathing. It's, it's too simple. You know, it's just, it's completely overlooked with the exception of in Holland, there are certainly a group of dentists that are very much behind it throughout the world in different pockets are dentists, um, some medical doctors, more dentists, but more often than not completely overlooked by healthcare professionals. Yeah, so I think it's a shame. Yeah. Please help me understand, uh, is it the chicken or the egg? As you mentioned, as a child, you you, you were a mouth breather, which caused uh, the wrong way of developing your jaw and the, the, the actual physical structure of your face in order to help you breathe properly. So is it, the, is it a uh, cultural thing that makes us breathe improper or is it a evolutionary genetic thing that makes us already uh, unable to develop the, the right breathing tools as, as in our body, let's say? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it can be both. So you can have a child who was born with a high narrow palate. Yeah. And because of they're born with a high narrow palate, they may not have enough room in their mouth for their tongue. And as a result, because of the high narrow palate, there's a tendency then that the nasal cavity is smaller, the nostrils are smaller, the face is narrower, and so that child will tend to mouth-breed. Right. However, it doesn't matter if it's a chicken or an egg, because any child who is mouth-breathing, it should be addressed. And any child with a high narrow palate, it should be addressed. There's a company called MRC, Myo, Myo Research Company. It's based outside Amsterdam, about an hour or so outside Amsterdam. And their head office for Europe is in Holland. And they develop devices in terms of helping children to achieve the, the forward growth of the jaws and the development of the maxilla. But even for very young babies, you could have a healthcare professional simply, or, or the mom or dad, put on a pair of gloves, put their thumbs into the child's mouth and exert pressure against the child's top jaw for about 10 seconds or so light, gentle pressure to help develop the maxilla. Now, why is it so important early on? Well, if you look at the paper by Dr. Christian Gimeno, who looked at infants who died abruptly during sleep, these infants, the only thing that they had preceding death was a runny nose. But when they looked at the infants, they looked at their airways post-death, they had a high narrow palate. We have to, this is a case of life and death. The airway is absolutely key. Yeah. Now you could say, well, I'm a listener here and I had my mouth open and I now have these facial features. Well, I have those facial features too. But the thing about breathing is that you can learn to change and to improve regardless of the facial features you have. That the human body is highly adaptable that you can compensate to some extent. But the key is breathe through the nose and it's a good start. Excellent. 
what what do you think companies can do to because uh, obviously this is something as a society or i don't know from the government how it should be implemented on a large scale but something that should uh, already be uh, looked at at a very young age but yes. obviously <clears throat> there's there's adults working inside businesses what can companies do to facilitate better breathing and and a more well i think companies start need to start looking at stress levels and i think this they need to start looking at corporate burnout um the statistics in terms of stress it, it is increasing phenomenally and i'm just going to put out a couple of a couple of different statistics this is for a new book that i'm putting together and i'm just just bear me one second here but sure. this this is something that is changing so much in the last with so many workdays lost to stress there are considerable financial implications. Work-related stress costs the UK economy six point five billion pounds. That's oh, about yeah. seven or eight million. Sorry, eight billion euro each year. And according to a 2017 article in the Harvard Business Review, the psychological and physical problems caused by burnout cost somewhere between 125 billion and 190 billion every year in healthcare spending. Now, that's one aspect of it. Another aspect of it is, is in terms of 29 study from the HR firm CIPD found that stress was considered by 44% of respondents to be the number one factor leading to time off work, with more than 20% of organizations experiencing an increase in sick days in the 12 months prior to the report. So here my point is, Stress and burnout is costing a lot of money. This is not just a social cost, but it's also an economic cost. Yes. In 2019, the UK's health and safety executive titled HSE titled work-related stress, anxiety, or depression statistics in Great Britain 2019 showed that poor mental health accounted for 44% of all work-related illnesses and 54% of lost working days in 2018 to 2019. Now, the one thing that we're seeing with stress is we have to look at breathing. How can we give employees the tools to help reduce anxiety and stress? And really part of that is we have to give, with breathing techniques, it can be a very helpful way. And a couple of reasons. One is get your sleep right, as we spoke about. Number two, stress normally causes breathing to be faster and shallow, but fast and shallow breathing feeds back into stress. So if the employee focuses their attention on breathing through the nose and gently slowing down their breathing, paying attention to the airflow coming into your nose, paying attention to the airflow leaving the nose, gently slowing down breathing to the point of a slight air hunger, a slight air hunger signifies the carbon dioxide is increasing in the blood and this in turn increases blood flow to the brain and oxygen delivery to the brain. We have to bear in mind that hard breathing does not increase oxygen delivery throughout the body. Mm-hmm. Hard breathing does the opposite. Because sometimes we're told, take a deep breath, take a big breath, you're stressed out of your head, or go take a big breath for yourself. Right. And you take a few big breaths and you feel lightheaded. Well, what is the big breath doing? Well, the big breaths are blowing off too much carbon dioxide from the lungs through the blood, and this is causing blood vessels to constrict. 
And all it takes is 30 seconds of hard breathing to significantly reduce blood flow to the brain. So if you're feeling stressed, you need to do the opposite to how you breathe during stress. Mm -hmm. Stress is causing us to breathe faster, harder, upper chest breathing, often through the mouth. So to bring the body into relaxation, take a very soft and slow, gentle breath in and have a prolonged and slow, relaxed exhalation. The exhalation on the breath is is activated by the vagus nerve. It's parasympathetically driven. And if you prolong the exhalation, you bring the body into relaxation. So there are three dimensions of breathing. There's the biochemistry in terms of blood flow and oxygen delivery in carbon dioxide. There's the biomechanics in terms of lateral expansion and contraction of the lower ribs. And there is cadence breathing in terms of stimulating the vagus nerve, increasing heart rate variability, increasing respiratory sinus arrhythmia, and helping recover bodily systems which are disturbed by stress. I think there's so much we can do here by just taking five minutes here, five minutes there, out of our heads, into our body. And part of the reason that we are so stuck in our heads is also due to information technology and smartphones. You know, if I woke up tomorrow morning and if I was told that I was going to spend two hours looking into my smartphone, a cumulative time of two hours throughout the day, you know, I'd say, what a waste of time. Now, I don't do that. I'm very selective about what I do with my smartphone. I'm very selective about listening to news from news media, and especially during this time. And the reason being is because we are absolutely inundated with negativity in terms of COVID. I don't know what it's like for you guys in Holland, but we have a national broadcaster here called um, RTE, Radio Television. And if I listen to their radio station, I listened to it this morning. I got up at half, got up at seven. Well, I started work at seven. I listened to their radio from seven to half seven. I said, oh my God, never again. It was just constant, a half an hour bombardment of negativity. Yeah. So, you know, we have to be very selective about the information that we allow into our head and we are being overloaded with information. So I would be so selective about don't waste your time on your mobile phone. Don't waste your time on, on platforms such as social media, which are designed to be addictive, to hold your attention there because it's good for share price and it's good for advertising. Don't let Facebook take your mind. Don't let Instagram take your mind. Don't let YouTube take your mind. Take control of your own mind by placing some attention on your breathing. And it's the most wonderful thing. If we would take one step back, um, uh, as you said, uh, you can take five, just five minutes here, five minutes there to practice that breathing. Um, yes. I know people that uh, they show obvious signs of stress you know they, they even have heart problems etc but if you ask them do you feel stressed they go no no i'm i'm fine they're not not even aware of the stress being built up in their body probably um yes. as well as well as smartphones it's so addictive you 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 kind of have that feeling like i need to check my news app or see what's going on with covid in in reality you don't need that at all it's just like you said it's a lot of negativity and it doesn't add much to your effectiveness during the day or to improve yourself or help your family out or whatever. But 
um, what would be a way that people in the office behind their desk or at home could um, perhaps firstly get that awareness of, okay, I need to work on my breathing. I'm not breathing properly right now. I'm stressed or um, what, what, what could help with that to have that kind of mental awareness? I think, well, in terms of say, I'll just come back to COVID. If you want to listen to the news, do, but just do it once a day and then switch it off. You've got the information. You don't need to hear it 15 times. Yeah. That's what's happening. Um, I think it's really important that people re need to realize why should you place your attention on your breathing? And I'm going to talk about focus and concentration because focus and concentration is your ability to hold your attention on a subject matter without distraction. Mm -hmm. It's your ability to apply 100% of your attention on doing what you are doing. But if the mind is distracted with a lot of incoming thoughts and incessant thinking and negative thinking and self-criticism and worries and anxiety, if the mind is flooded with thinking, how can you concentrate? You can't. So we need to learn how can we quieten the mind? How can, can we bring a stillness to the mind so that I, I can focus and concentrate on what I need to focus it upon? And I'll give you a story that I often use. I spoke about it in the book. I spent three, three months studying for an exam because I'd be looking at the material, but I wouldn't be remembering it. You know, so by the time I get to the bottom of the page, I would have to reread it again and do it several times before the information starts getting into my head. So I was three months studying for an exam and 20 minutes before the exam was due to start, I was joined by a guy called Terry Clune and he didn't open a book. Not one book was opened. And he said, Paddy, he says, do you have your notes there? And I said, I do. So I handed him my notes and I remember him looking at my notes and he looked at them and I knew that he wasn't just looking. I knew that he was remembering the information mm -hmm. and we went off and did our exam and we got the same result. Now the same guy, he's about 48, 49 years of age. He's worth a minimum of 600 million euro. He has a thousand employees. He has got companies throughout the world. He's got, he's been successful in many different businesses um, ranging from language schools to taxback.com, to transformation, to visa first, to sales promotions in so many different lines of work. And he's been excelling in every single one. How did he achieve that? How was he so successful? Because he had an ability to focus, to concentrate and to have control over his mind. So here's why I'm coming back to the breath. When you focus on your breathing, you are training your brain to be concentrated. And when you first start focusing on the breath, use this as a measurement of your own concentration. Are you able to focus on your breathing for a period of time? And how long can you focus on your breathing for before your mind is wandering? And if you find that your mind wanders a lot, you know that you've got room for improvement in concentration. And that's vitally important that we have the motivation because so many things are capturing our attention. And how do I spend my time doing on something that I know it's going to be worthwhile? Well, I will say is through your breathing, it is absolutely vital and amazing what you can do. 
you can open up your blood circulation. You can improve oxygen delivery to the tissues. You can help activate a body's relaxation response in terms of time of stress. You can also make the body more resilient in terms of stimulating the vagus nerve to increase heart rate variability. Now, if you look at the studies that are based on heart rate variability, it is a marker of resilience in the human being, that the heart rate should be both variable and also random. We don't want the time between heartbeats to be the same. Mm -hmm. There is a synchronicity between our breathing and our heartbeat. On the breath in, the heart rate should be getting faster. The time between beats is shorter. Yeah. And on the exhalation, the heart rate should be getting slower. The time between beats is increasing. So in terms of resilience and in terms of concentration, if you already have an agitated mind, and then if you are confronted with a stressful situation, you are going to be more likely to react stronger to that situation. Yeah. Think of it this way. You're driving down the road. You've already had a bad morning, right? And some idiot pulls across in front of you. You're very likely to hit the horn and to let a few shout to them. That's normal, you know, yeah. because you're already teetering on the edge of, of kind of agitation. And all it took was just something to throw you over. Like I look at the individuals who send emails here and I know by the emails coming into me, you nearly know the state of that person's mind. And, you know, sometimes I'll say to my employees, listen, don't worry about that email. That's not a reflection of you. That's a reflection of the person who wrote it. Yeah. Their mind is in a mess. And what they are doing is they are seeing everything in their own distorted reality. And you will see this with people. You know, people are presented with an event, with an event but how we are interpreting that event is very different. And you will see that there's many interpretations of that event, depending on the person's frame of mind. Yeah. But like I have to say 20 years ago, I started fo first focusing on my breathing, bringing my attention inwards. My mind would wander, bring my attention inwards. My mind would wander. I want the ability to control my mind, not my mind in control of me. I, of course, like, I'm not saying that I'm here sitting enlightened, enlightened, absolutely not. But what I am saying is that I have a significantly more degree of control of my thought processes now than I did 20 years ago. You're, and Western saying, education, sorry, Western education is teaching us how to think. It's teaching us how to reason, to break information into tiny pieces, to decipher, to analyze Western education teaches us how to think, but it does not teach us how to stop thinking. We also need to take control of our mind and schools and the education system have let us down. I feel as if I'm on a rant this morning, so, uh, so well done for drawing it out of me. <laughs> well, that's good. There's a super information coming out, so that's a, <laughs> that's a good thing. Um, what you're saying, is it that, that we need to take certain times every day to work on this so that we can also be more aware of our breathing during stressful situations? For example, in, in a business career, you might have to do a lot of meetings where that are naturally already a bit more stressful or speaking to people, uh, sales calls, or maybe people in uh, education that have to do lectures in front of big groups of people, I can imagine. 
it's harder at such a moment to stay mindful of your breathing do we need to pick out times every day to uh to practice so that it can work out through the day in in the more stressful uh, periods how what would you recommend yeah the time to start following your breathing is not when the shit hits the fan right the time to start following your breathing is when things are going pretty all right Mm -hmm. and you're just it's more important the number of times that you bring your attention to your breathing rather than the amount of time that you do in one sitting. And by the way, you carry your breath with you all the time. You don't have to be the yogi sitting with cross legged and with beads and robes and all of that stuff. You carry your breathing with you. You're walking down the street. Instead of having your attention stuck in your head, regurgitating all of that nonsense and crap that we usually do, Bring your attention onto the breath. You're mm-hmm. driving your car. Instead of having and regurgitating the same information, bring your attention onto your breath. You go for a walk. Bring your attention onto your breathing. You've got three minutes to spare. You're outside the conference room. You're going into a meeting. Bring your attention onto your breath and walk into your meeting with your attention dispersed throughout the body. Don't just be living in a head. Mm-hmm. I give talks for a living. I have a, my own way of improving it. And of course, public speaking gets easier the more you practice. It's like everything else. But what I would do is absolutely make sure that my sleep was right the night before. That's number one. Number two, I don't turn up at the event early in the day. If I'm due to talk at two o'clock, I'm not going to turn up at a conference at nine o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. because I'll end up talking to everybody. And by the time one o'clock comes, I have decision fatigue. I'm tired. So I want to conserve my energy. Yeah, I want to conserve my energy. So what I will do is stay in the hotel room up until about one o'clock. I will go to the gym. I will talk to nobody and I mightn't even look at emails and I won't bother. Let anything take my attention. I'm conserving my attention for my public speech. And at one o'clock, I will head down generally to the conference room. I will sit in the corner of the room and I will focus and bring my attention inwards for about 25 minutes. It brings me into a point of focus and concentration, but then I'm too relaxed. Then I will do breath in, breath out through my nose, hold my nose, and I will do a few decent breath holds. And I don't do hyperventilation. It's not Wim Hof. I don't do hyperventilation beforehand. I just do the breath hold without the hyperventilation. And the reason that I do the breath hold is because it opens up the nose, it opens up my lungs, but it increases blood flow to the brain. Mm. Anytime you're stressed, do a simple breath hold. Breathe in through your nose, breathe out through your nose, pinch your nose, walk holding your breath. Even if you're walking holding your breath for 15, 20 paces, it's a plus. And I also say that to guys going into fighting, yeah. going into sports, because I want the guys going in with a state of focus and concentration that nothing is going to distract them. I want them to be relaxed, but I don't want them to be too relaxed. Right. That so we use the breath as a means of calming anxiety, of bringing the attention into the body. And I will say, you're going into an event, go out there with every cell of your body. Don't live stuck in your head. Right. Because if you're stuck in your head, you've got plenty of opportunity for distractions and the nonsense that goes through the human mind. 
and the human mind is mad. And it's mad now, and it was mad two and three thousand years ago. Yeah. And that's why the essence of spirituality come in, you know, in terms of bringing a quietness to the human mind. But we have lost it. Nasal breathing is just too simple, and bringing a quietness to the mind is just too simple. Right, right. Do you think, though, because, of course, there's companies trying to facilitate this. Is there more businesses can do for this? Because on the on one hand, it takes a sort of uh, individual responsibility that people try to work on that by themselves, employees, any any individual. But is there more that businesses can do to facilitate the uh, the awareness process, the, the practicing? Because you'll, yes. need, you'll need some some uh, sort of retreat time every day, right? To like you just explained, to to get away from the the eight or ten hours of craziness, meetings stacked up together. You might need space in between to to get back to your senses. I think there's a time when we don't be productive. If if a busy day is so overloaded with work that it's causing stress. It, it, we go from productivity into total waste of time. So, you know, how can you design somebody's workload that they are productive? And of course, everybody is going to be different. But I would say, you know, from really, this is really an individual choice. Because you can have a company bring in a motivational speaker or somebody who's talking about breath work or sleep. But ultimately, it's up to the employee to embrace it. Yeah. And I would say is any individual, like I have a busy life. I start early and sometimes I work crazy hours, but I work crazy hours with minimal stress. And it's so much different in terms of productivity and in terms of creativity, new ideas, intuition, and the ability to structure your time that you're not just wasting time unnecessarily by constant, not just distractions of the mind, but distractions by smartphone, distractions by email, distractions by other employees. You know, if you are getting, if you're in your workplace and you're constantly distracted by emails, you will get nothing done. All you will do is end up answering emails all day. And you have to ask yourself a question when you're in the workplace. Think about and be aware of the value of your own time and ask yourself the question, is this the most important thing that I can be doing with my time at this moment? Or am I answering one email and then I go on to another project and then two minutes later, oh my God, checking my email. This is like the rat in the cage and they're hitting the little button because of the reward. And it's almost that emails have, that's our reward because it's our attention. We are getting some tension and gratification from it. Um, So yeah, like, I really feel that it's this is a matter of whether it's a person in management, whether it's the person on the assembly line, whether it's the person in the canteen, no matter what area of work that you do, your relationships with other people and also in your family life will be so much better when you can bring a stillness to the mind. If you are polluting your own mind, you are not just polluting your own mind, but you are polluting the entire environment around you. Look at people who are anxious. And this is not, I know it's so common out there, but I would love to see people with anxiety 
taking some responsibility for themselves. Yeah. And all too often they don't because they're drowned. They're kind of just regurgitating in their own heads and they don't realize it's almost that they're kind of in, in a whole self pity living in their own minds. Listen, we have to get out of your heads. How can you live your life stuck in your head? If you go for a walk in a beautiful scenery, and if you're walking from one point of that beautiful scenery to another, and if all of your attention is stuck in your head, you are seeing nothing of that scenery. Mm -hmm. You are hearing nothing that's going around you. You are feeling nothing. You are not even there. You are stuck in your head. And people who, who learn, you know, they develop a habit of thinking, and we are taught how to think four, five, six years of age, and they're stuck in their heads from the age of four to the time they die. My God, what a wasted life. Absolutely. Do, what, how do you see this, uh, this kind of bringing more awareness to this topic on, on a bigger scale? Obviously, you and your company have been doing this for, uh, I think, 15 or more years, already helped thousands of people all over the world. Um, how do you see maybe maybe from your own perspective, from your own company, how do you see this playing out 10 years into the future? How can we make this uh, bigger in the world and more people are paying attention to this? I think it comes a point that people, when they're fed up suffering, that sometimes it can force them to look down a different path. We also have to make it more sexy. And breathing now has become harsh. Yeah. Um, it has become more sexy. And without a doubt, Wim Hof has done tremendous work in that field. We also have to realize that, you know, you have an intelligence in the human body that far supersedes that, any, that anything that man could ever develop. Can you imagine trying to re replicate the human body? Human beings have been trying to generate robots they would never get to the detail that nature has already, you know, developed in us, that intelligence. We can tap into that intelligence by bringing our attention inwards. Mm -hmm. So where is it going 10 years from now? Well, I think we've only scratched the surface here. I breathing now has really, really taken off. I would see two topics as going to be huge. One is sleep quality, which is starting. People are becoming more aware of it. And the other is breathing. And right. it's not just Misha about going down to the yoga studio and filling your lungs full of air. And you're told to take this big, deep breath. Like, what's that all about? We have to look at breathing and we have to look at the physiology of breathing. And we have to look at the impact of what we can achieve by looking at breathing from a number of different perspectives. Yeah. We are all stuck in our own little silos. The yoga studio is often concentrating on the biomechanics of breathing. I, as a Buteco instructor for many years, was concentrating on the biochemistry of breathing. Heart variability, people are concentrating on the coherence and cadence of breathing. But I wanted, with oxygen advantage, not to be stuck in a silo. And when I brought out oxygen advantage, it gave me the freedom to look at whatever I could bring in that was beneficial. So we bring in functional breathing because, of course, if you are in a tradition, you can't deviate from that tradition. 
because right. who am I to change the buteco method? The buteco method is the buteco method. Yeah. So who am I to bring in this, that, and the other? But it's like, I suppose, martial arts and MMA, mixed martial arts. So maybe we should be calling this mixed breathing. So oxygen advantage <laughs> is mixed breathing. That would be an amazing idea. And and uh, coming also back to your point of making it a bit more sexy, I would uh, think that's an excellent marketing uh, a point to uh, to take up to. Yes, for yeah. sure. Well, it's like, you know, breathing was often seen as the, those guys that were out tr- hug- hugging trees. Yeah. The, the <laughs> lads going around with the, the sandals, with the, you know, the open sandals, the brown leather sandals and the, mm-hmm. the long hair. Stuff like, for hippies. Hippies. And this has all changed. And this is tremendous. We have MMA fighters now putting this into practice pre-fights. Um, we have got SWAT personnel, special weapons and tactics, Lieutenant Joey Williams. Why do these guys at the top of their game put it into practice? Because of focus and concentration of the mind. And this is a tool because no matter what we want to achieve in life and our own quality of life, everything is perceived through the mind. We have to, you know, and I'm not talking about how does the mind work in terms of doing a PhD thesis on the mind. A psychologist has done a PhD thesis on the mind. I'm not interested in the PhD thesis. I'm interested in tasting it. I'm interested in putting my own space there. It's not about the PhD thesis on how an apple tastes. I want to taste the apple. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. But before we uh, close off, I have a few questions from followers that they send in. Uh, Arjan asks, uh, what is the best way of breathing in order to deal with physical pain? There is a link between the diaphragm and hyperventilation. So number one, hyperventilation can increase the pain perception. Um, The central nervous system is more agitated when you breathe hard. Uh So, and the other thing is that normally if you are within pain, there is a connection with the diaphragm. For example, if I went over and jumped on your toe, you'll probably let a few screams, but what you will do is breathe in and hold your breath. Mm-hmm. So you're breathing in, the diaphragm is moving downwards, you hold your breath and that can reduce pain. But what I would say is do slow breathing with reduced breathing to help with pain. And I'm currently writing a piece on this subject and I haven't gone into it in detail enough, but I'm also looking at it in terms of the females, um, females in terms of menstruation, etc. You know, that there's a tendency that hormones can, can, can mess up breathing a little bit and it can, it can generate pain as a result of it. So how would you help to negate that? I think it's very important not to hyperventilate because there will be a tendency that if you were in chronic pain, that you will breathe harder and faster but all that's going to do is agitate the central nervous system. We need to slow down again. Agitation of the body, agitation of the mind. Breathe through your nose, slow down your breathing, and breathe light. I think that will help a lot of people. Uh, Jessica asks, what, uh, what breathing practice do you do yourself every day? I try and bring it as best into my way of life as possible. Um, right. I live in nature And I will always get in about an hour of physical exercise a day. I'm not into running. You know, I'll walk, I walk fast. Um, and I will do breathing exercises and breath holds as part of that. Yeah. 
I like to connect with my body and with my breath many times throughout the day. I think it's a tremendous thing to do. It has given me so much help over the years in terms of bringing the calmness to the mind and my ability then to choose on what I want to focus upon. I don't want my mind wandering off like a, like a train that's completely out of control. My mind was there. And that's why, of course, there's a tendency for us to drink lots of alcohol or people are taking prescription drugs or they're totally immersed in television or video games because people are immersed in these activities in a means of drowning out the mental commentary. Yeah. So I would say to Jessica, you carry your breath with you all day long. Make your life in terms of bringing your connection onto the breath. Slow down your breathing. And if you're not pregnant, do breath holes. Breath holes are not suitable if the female is pregnant or if the male has got um, cardiovascular issues or serious medical conditions, never do breath holding. And we always do breath holding on the exhalation um, for, for maximum effect. Great. And if there's people hearing this uh, or that are watching this or listening to this and they want to know more about it, what's what do you recommend them if they want to know more about your method and you? Would you recommend them to, uh, to, to first read the book or should they go to your website? What's something they can do? Yeah, I think action? a good option is I give two hour master classes and I give them by Zoom. And literally, you know, it's a small group of people. And I've got a master class for people with anxiety, stress, depression. Mm-hmm. I've got a master class for people with asthma, breathing complaints. One for sleep, insomnia, snoring, obstructive sleep apnea. And then I've got a master class for high performance. So for high performance, the master class can be found on oxygenadvantage.com. And for sleep, for anxiety, and for asthma, it's butecoclinic.com. Great. That, that's very specific uh, for specific issues. That That's wonderful. Well, we'll yes. put a, a link down in the description. So make sure you, you go to the website and, and, uh, and check out the program. Uh, yeah, Patrick, I want to thank you so much for, for your time and, and sharing all your wisdom with us. And um, um, I, I must say, um, because of being excited for this interview, I already start to pay more attention to my breathing. And I notice it's uh, pretty high up there compared to normal. Uh, so I guess this is already a good exercise for me. Um, I'm reading the book myself, so I'm really looking forward to learn more about your method and uh, improving my own life. And, and through that, hope to great, p- perform great stuff, better. Misha. And the book is in Dutch as well. I'm not sure if you're in- reading the English version or the, or the Dutch version. Yes, yeah, I'm reading the English one uh, just to stay okay. as close as possible to the to the real deal. Uh, sometimes sure. things get gets lo- get lost in uh, Translation. translation. But uh, for any Dutch listeners out there, uh, there's also a Dutch version, uh, which must be very good as well. Well, thanks again, Patrick. And um, uh, I hope you have a nice day and uh, hope to talk to you soon again. You too. Thanks, Michel.